rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn It Damien. All right, buddies. Took a little time off, but boy, we're back and we're better than ever because this week we're sitting down with Scott Lucas, the singer, main proponent of the band Local H, a band you might remember from the 90s, a band that I have very fond memories of in the 90s. Um, they had such radio hits like Bound from the Floor, Eddie Better, All the Kids Are All Right, uh, records like Pack Up the Cats, um, killer, killer band. And you might be wondering, whatever happened to those guys? Nothing, buddies. They've still been around. They've still been uh, hitting the road hard and putting out killer records. Scott Lucas and his two-piece band, they're still out there doing their thing, and they're still just as great as they were in the 90s. Uh, seriously, their newer records are just as good, if not better, than those early 90s hits. Um, I was super excited. Local H is one of those bands that really meant something to me when I was a uh, late 90s kid growing up. You know, I'm 32 years old, so I was at the perfect age to catch this band. Unfortunately, I grew up in North Louisiana where bands never toured through, so I never got a chance to see these guys. And then years of living in Colorado Springs without a car, I never got a chance to see them when they came through Colorado. So believe me, I was blown away that I got a chance to not only uh, see Local H at the Larimer Lounge here in Denver, I got to meet up with Scott Lucas and uh, talk to him about Local H and a little bit about his other side project, Scott Lucas and the Married Men. Uh, Now, this this interview happened after a long drive from Waterloo, Iowa to Denver, um, and, and, you know, in my research, it comes across that Scott's not really, um, he's kind of a quiet guy. So this is a shorter interview. Um, Scott doesn't seem to be a man of many words. Instead, he chooses to save him for the stage. It's a shorter interview. And, I, you know, I'm, of course, accustomed to long-winded musicians such as myself. But I think we got some really cool stuff going on here. Um, I wish I was a little bit more technical because Scott seems a little bit more open about uh, talking about his Uh, gear and music setups rather than the man behind those which of course is what i'm more fascinated with uh you know thanks to uh, being former psychology uh, obsessed kind of kid but uh, i think we got a really good like little short fun size interview going today with scott lucas Um, but before we get to the interview you might notice i'm talking at a mile a minute i'd like to thank my sponsors death wish coffee for that uh thank thank you death wish for supplying daddy with the juice to get him through the day Oh, Death Wish, as you should know by now, is the world's most caffeinated coffee. I drink a pot of this stuff a day, and not only does it keep my uh, my uh, movements mean, smooth, and often, it helps me uh, kind of see through space and time. I get super, super freaked out on this stuff, and it is great. It's like a liquid uh, TARDIS, you know, liquid TARDIS, Doctor Who's uh, space vehicle of uh, dark roasted uh, coffee and caffeine. Picks them up today at death wish copy and tell them i sent you uh guys you may have noticed uh we took some time off unfortunately things came up um, i'm in the process of trying to move uh, i had some huge pieces that are going to be in the next issue of new noise magazine issue uh, i believe number 10 uh and uh you know just i had so much stuff on the plate we had a couple band interviews fall through for the show here and it just seemed like a perfect time to take a break Plus, I'm going to be working for the Denver Comic-Con June 13th through 15th here in, uh, or June 13th through 16th in Denver, Colorado. You can catch me emceeing the event at the Hard Rock Cafe June 13th. You can find all that information out on mostofthehomelesspodcast.com and denvercomiccon.com. So I just had a ton of stuff going on, and, you know, it seemed like a nice little time to take a little break from Most of the Homeless. Been hitting it hard and heavy since the beginning of the year. And, boy, what an episode to start it back up with. We got Local H here today. Again, I'm blown away. Blown away. 
the stuff we get to do here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and open up this interview with a track from Local H's newest album. came out in 2012, Hallelujah, I'm a Bum. The song is called Another February. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, it starts off a little slow. But, man, once it gets rocking, once it builds up into uh, its crescendo and what it's really going to do, it's a testament what this band is still doing today, and it shows just how damned great they still are. Uh, make sure you check out their killer video as well. It's up on YouTube. Maybe I'll throw, if I can remember, I'll throw a link up on the uh, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com page. And while you're over at mostlyharmlesspodcast.com, don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, and maybe even leave a little iTunes loving. It's been a while since we've had any reviews or uh, whatnot on iTunes. So, All right, buddies, uh, we're going to open this up with another. Another February of Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Let's go. Come on, come on. You're digging out your car again. The chill up in the yard has another life again.
All right, Scott. What's going on, man? Long drive. Long thanks, drive. Thanks for hanging out and chatting with me. No problem. Jill, uh, publicist Jill, she's a sweetheart. So yeah. Thanks to her for setting this up. She was pretty excited about trying to get something going for us. Thanks, Jill. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, just kind of very conversational. Okay. Bullshit. Two dudes chatting, kind of like a first date. All right. Kind of deal. Do you listen to podcasts at all? Uh, no. Oh, I rip off a guy named Mark Marin. He's a stand-up comedian. I know who he is. Yeah, he interviews other stand-up comedians. So I just uh, stole a shtick and applied it to bands when he wasn't do- interviewing bands. Okay. So uh, it's really nice and easy. I got some notes on my phone, so I'm looking. That's why I'm looking at it. I'm not okay. tweeting or anything. Yeah. I had uh, one guy like, "What are you doing? Looking on your phone?" I'm like, "Oh, I got my notes here." Right. I thought you were tweeting. So, um, so I've been a fan of yours. You know, I'm 32. You're what? Uh, how old are you now? I'm 44. 44? Yeah, I turned 44 uh, a couple weeks ago. Not, not a little bit older than me. So, uh-huh. But um, I grew up in the 90s, of course. I grew up in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, very north Louisiana. Not very much of a music scene, but we did have you know uh, the local rock station, uh, 99X. And, they all, and I always remember hearing uh, they had a weird edit of Hi-Fi Motherfucker. Right. With uh, weird sound clips edited into it. I don't know if they ever did that or whatnot, but it was like... Um, we did a bunch of edits. One just, it was silence, and then there was one where we put feedback over it. Was that the one that you heard? It had like truck horns and stuff like that. Truck horns? Maybe. Yeah, we didn't do that. I think they probably did that for themselves. Yeah, it was just this weird edit with all these sound clips of like people talking in it or not. Maybe I'm making this all up. Maybe I'm confusing it with It sounds like they did it themselves. Yeah. But, uh... You know, I, I have these fond memories of growing up and listening to that song and listening to you guys. Um, and a lot of this show is about origin stories, how people got started, how people got into the things they're into. So I was curious, like, when you were, you know, a kid growing up, what was the stuff? How did you first experience uh, growing up and coming into music and discovering it on your own? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, like, I was a big ABBA fan. That was probably <laughs> my first favorite band was ABBA. Um, I like ABBA. Yeah, I think they're great. And so I, I remember buying their records. So those were probably the first records I bought. Nice. And uh, what was, they were the first band that grabbed you. Do you remember what about them grabbed you? I, you know, the song is just so catchy. You yeah. know, I mean, it's 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 yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a band catchier than yeah. ABBA. Yeah, right. I love ABBA and. Uh, even even when I was a young angry kid and pretended not to like ABBA, there's something that that just sticks out and works for them. Yeah. Um, was the was that the first record you bought? Something along those lines. Yeah, it was probably the album. Nice. Is what it was called. Yeah. How did how did that transition? Like listening to ABBA and whatnot. Uh, how did that transition into you picking up an instrument and starting to play on your own? Um. I don't know. I mean, I think I always wanted to play guitar. Um, maybe even while I was listening to a band like that. Um, I mean, it, it, it was a while later when I finally picked up a guitar. And it was, uh, I think I got my first guitar when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, what drove you to pick up the guitar? I just uh, needed something to... Um, be able to write songs you know I um, wanted to write songs but I, I didn't know how to play an instrument so the main reason for learning to play guitar was so I could 
start doing that. Were you writing songs already? Like just singing songs out loud to yourself? Yeah, I had like a notebook with lyrics and stuff like that. Um, and had the songs in my head the way they should sound. Um, but I, you know, it was, there was no way that it was going to be, those songs would be a reality if I didn't do something about it. So this was kind of a pre... Do you feel like this was a predestined thing that you were meant to play guitar? Meant to be a musician of sorts? I don't. <laughs> Maybe no. you might have been a poet or a playwright instead if you hadn't um, got the guitar? No, I don't... I'm not... I don't really get poetry aside from, like, E. Cummings. I don't really understand poetry so much. So <clears throat> I, I, I wouldn't be very good at that. Right on. But in, a, but in a way, you do what you do do is kind of poetry. No, they're rock lyrics. You know, it's <laughs> it's completely. I think it's completely different, and um, I I really have a hard time with people in rock bands uh, calling themselves poets, or or even putting out books of poetry or anything like that. It just drives me up the wall. So no jewel esque book for you in the future. No, God, no. So yeah, I, I always hated that about Jim Morrison too um, so when did you start playing shows was that a pretty immediate thing after getting the guitar or did it take some time yeah it took some time to learn how to play um, I probably didn't play shows until I was 15 you know? and that's still pretty early because you know you come across people who are in their 20s who it's in their later 20s they pick up and play guitar for the first time I, I don't know if that would have worked for me I mean it's just you gotta like sort of have this thing where like you've got nothing else to do but play guitar and you know I, I, I can't imagine waiting later to learn something like that uh, w w was there a moment where this thing grabbed you and you decided this was all you ever wanted to do or was that just instinctual from there from the beginning I mean I, you know, I'm sure I, I wanted to do it even before I had a guitar so so you know it, it, it might have been pretty instinctual yeah um, I do have occasionally I, I have musicians on here that tell me that they're very much addicted not to the lifestyle but just playing music and being in front of, of an audience um, you're, you've been doing this for what 25 years strong would you say that you're addicted to this lifestyle is this something you could leave behind uh, yeah I mean I think that's a, probably fair and, and whoever said that would, made a good point you know they're there is something about that, and like, you know, if I'm not, if I'm too long off the road, I, I, I do start to get itchy. You know? And then for for this is my buddy Micah from a band called Two Cow Garage. He was, you know, he's like, this is an addiction. I've lost relationship, money, time to this thing that I've, I've invested all this life in, and I'll never ever give it up. It'll never leave me. Um, do you, do you ever see a, a time where you would set this aside and get a real day job? No, I, I, yeah, Not no, that this yeah. I just uh, no. I mean, because because at this point, like, like you know, when I die, if, if people want to know what I thought or what I was thinking, all they'll have to do is you know look at the songs, and so I kind of don't really separate myself from from music that I make. You know, it's part of who I am and it's not and, you know I, I I would do it anyway so you know cool. hey, um, shifting gears a little bit uh, 
back in like in the late 90s right before right as mp3s were coming into fruition i'm pretty sure local h was the first album i stole i want to apologize for stealing a record way back in 98 Uh, but you know that was it was even before napster before there was ever a taboo it was just like oh you can download the song it, CD burners didn't even exist. Uh, right. So, like, you had to, you would could barely play it on your computer, and you, I would get these rigs to where I would record it onto a cassette through the car adapter for a CD player thing. But uh, uh, pretty sure it was Pack Up the Cats. Um, but still, like, I've, I've been a giant fan ever since. Um, and even before that, that's one of the reasons why I went through so much trouble. Right. But I did want to apologize okay. for stealing that. Um, did you ever? illegally download in the 90s no I I, I didn't uh, I mean the first time I ever did anything digitally was editing together um, tracks on Pack Up The Cats I mean all, the record was done to tape but we did a bunch of editing uh, using Pro Tools and that was the first time I ever worked with it thank you cool just, just a silly throwaway question um, I used to live in Colorado Springs, um, and I missed the last show you guys played there. It was probably, I want to say, 10 years ago. And from what I've heard of, from people years over the years, it's, there probably weren't many people there. But uh, the sound guy from that show, the monitor guy, later on in life became a really good friend of mine at the music venue I used to work at. Um, and he was I was texting with him last night, and he wanted me to, uh, he said, ask him if he remembers this monitor guy at 32 Blue so drunk during the set that me, him, could barely stand up. Put the makers between two guys in a 90-minute set. That that guy is a champion. Any recollection of that at all? He couldn't stand up? Yeah, he couldn't stand up. Uh, I don't but you, you still played the show flawlessly is what I got from it. Yeah, I don't remember that. That's probably why. <laughs> um, are you still a, a drinker at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you like to get into? Uh, you know, the brown stuff. Uh, I like. I've been drinking rye a lot lately. I like that. I should try that. Maybe I'll try that tonight. Yeah, it's delicious. Um. So, in on the subject of like Colorado Springs, I've heard you know it's been a long time since you guys played back there. I used to try to get uh, your old booking agent to write you guys through there mm-hmm. um, with Flower Booking. I don't know if you're still with them or still not. Still with them. Yeah, uh, those also super nice guys. They work with really great people, but yeah. like easy to deal with. Um, and uh, but you know, even after all these years, you know, still chugging away. When you show up and there's only like, t- do you guys still show up often and finally ten to fifteen people at a show? Or is it? It seems like there's a '90s rock revival going on. Off, things are coming not back often. Up. Like sometimes, you know, like I mean, there was a the last stinker we played was uh, in Florida, and it was pretty sparse. Uh, I think it was St. Pete, maybe. I, I can't really remember where it was, but but yeah. So what, what do you do in those situations? Just pour your heart out like normal? Yeah, you just play the show, you know? I mean, those people, it, even if there's not a lot of people there, those people still paid, you know? Yeah, yeah, right? They're there for the, a good time, and those guys will probably go away and remember how much awesome you were because you played your heart out. Right. So intimate, so cool. Right. 
Now, you guys did have a pretty sizable following in the 90s, but you guys weren't, you know, gigantic. Um, I was chatting with another 90s musician a few years back, and he was saying that he was thankful that he never reached that huge superstar because he got to carve out his own niche. Um, they got to, a little bit more leeway to do what they want. Uh, are you happy with the levels of success you've seen over the years? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of waste, you know, that goes along with stuff like that. And, and I also you know worry about the work and the work not being good and the work suffering from stuff like that um but you know it, it's hard, it's hard to say I, I think you just sort of deal with whatever your lot in life is you know and, and I, you know I can't really worry that that you know about how big we should be or anything like that you know and then you do get a certain amount of freedom from not being too gigantic, you know? Well, I mean, I think that you do what you want, you know? I mean, it's like people who are huge have plenty of freedom. You know, if, if they don't use it, you know, that's, that's up to them, you know? Um, so speaking of freedom, you also have Scott Lu- Lucas and the Married Men, which is a full band versus this that is still plugging away as a two-piece what kind of uh what, what kind of freedom do you get from playing in a act like that versus doing stick around local um groups? you know you get to play less you know and there's a lot that was tough to learn how to do just to you know let other people do stuff you know um, but yeah you know i don't i don't have to i don't have to hold down the bottom when i play the bass so you know okay. there's a lot of freedom there and there's other people up there supporting with you uh, what's it what's it like being up on a stage after all these years of just the two piece surrounded by all these other people it's crowded <laughs> it's a little crowded up there uh, which do you prefer which is just well I mean I, I like being able to you know not having to choose and being able to go back and forth and you know when you get burned out on one you go and do something else you know? yeah and then uh, with this, like you've been the only constant member, um, you just lost, you know, Brian. I mean, we haven't lost him; he's still right. around, but uh, he left the band. Uh, what was it like losing him and trying to find a replacement? Um, especially because this is something that's so close. I mean, I'm sure the two of you guys probably got fairly close. It wasn't so bad. I mean, I've known Ryan for a long time, um, so. You know, just sort of like asking him to join was... It might be weird if, if I didn't know the guy, you know, but it was really easy. And, you know, he learned the songs and started playing. And it... I mean, at the first show, I was really worried. And then I thought maybe it kind of tanked and it wasn't working. But after the show, everyone came up to me and was talking about how much they liked it. So I was pretty relieved. And after that, it started relaxing. And uh, and uh, how, how do fans feel about the dynamic? Do they even notice? Yeah, they notice. They notice. I mean, you know, there's definitely a there's definitely a charge that's been going on. You know, just writing new songs and you know just getting tighter and you know stuff like that um, 
it, it's funny I posted it on Facebook that we were doing this interview had a bunch of people going like do they still have the black guys at the drum room no they haven't had that dude since 99 you right. still get that question a lot every once like, in a while like if yeah. somebody hasn't seen us since then yeah you know um, so may I ask you like I for, for the listeners out there there's going to be some of them who haven't heard this story so far um, but I did read about your altercation that happened in Russia right do you mind talking about that a little bit because uh, that, that seemed like it was a pretty scary thing to happen especially in a foreign country yeah it was it was fucked up because I mean you know it's fine I got home and you know it now it's just a funny story that I tell you know in a bar but but I mean the guy kind of did some damage to my vocal cords and I couldn't sing for a long time and uh, so that was the really scary part and so how, how did this altercation even come to be? Um, you know I was just hanging out with some people in in uh, Moscow and it was after the show and they were like they're, so they were too drunk and they had to go home and I was like alright cool I'll get a cab I'm fine you know I, I, I know I know what the name of the hotel is I can get a cab so, you know, who knows how long somebody must have been tailing me or eyeballing me, but I went looking for a cab, and and then uh, next thing I know, I wake up, and I'm in a stair- staircase in some apartment building. Everything's gone. My wallet, my money, my coat's ripped open, my phone's gone, glasses are gone. Passport? Every, every, passport, everything's gone. Um... So, you know, and I had no idea where I was. So, the, I mean, the guy just choked me out and, you know, took all my stuff. Jesus. Um, I take it your vocal cords are much better nowadays? You're getting better all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's there's certain songs that you start to realize, it's like, oh, I can sing this, you know. Um, but at first, I mean, there was very limited choices as of what I could perform things like that wow that's pretty scary will you uh, head back to Russia anytime soon um I don't know if anybody's going to be heading back to Russia oh, anytime yeah. soon good point yeah, yeah. I, dumb question I have been paying attention to the news uh, now uh I'll, I'll start to wrap this up because I know you're pretty tired after that long drive um your former drummer Brian right now is going through a uh pretty devastating battle like he's just been diagnosed with prostate cancer right that's a battle that's going on with him uh do you still keep in contact with him yeah we talked about it the other day i think he's i think he's got a good handle on it you know um he's been um undergoing treatment and uh it's 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 shrunk it yeah i mean he's he's his level is is down to almost zero now so I think it's he's doing everything he needs to do and cool. I think it'll be okay and then after an incident like in Russia and then having your uh, your friend you know battling cancer does that have any effect on you and what you're doing does that affect you know how you live your life uh, not really I don't really believe in that you know it's yeah. kind of like uh, you know I don't know alright um but, you know, I mean, it, it goes, you know, people getting sick, I mean, that just goes with getting older, you know? And, right. And, you know, the more people that you know eventually going to start dying, you know? And so, I mean, I do think about that a lot. And I think that that's, 
certainly made its way into the new songs and stuff like that. And so this tour, uh, this is what, the second day of this leg of the tour? Yes. You guys are going to be out for how long? Uh, Another two weeks? Couple, couple, two, three weeks, something like that. Uh, then what's what's next for uh, Local H? Uh, do some more recording um, and then probably come back out uh, at the end of the summer. Cool. And what's uh, the married men up to these days? Nothing. We haven't really been doing anything. I've kind of put that on hold to sort of get this back on track. And uh, it's good. Yeah, this is the this is the baby. It's the priority right now. Yeah, yeah. right on. Cool. Um, well, all right, Scott. Well, I guess I guess I'll let you go. Okay. That's about all I got for you today. Anything else you want to plug or mention before nope. I let you go? Cool. Nope. I've, uh, I I apologize. You know, as long as I've been following the band, I've never seen you guys until tonight. What can I expect? What do you think I can expect? Um. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a rock show. You know, it's cool. what it is. Uh, my friend Dan wanted me to uh, just plug and mention that he manages a band, a local Denver band called In the Whale, another two piece. And he's like, get them, talk to Scott about getting In the Whale on their next tour. So, okay, sorry. Those guys should be out here tonight. I'm kind of surprised they're not playing. So, all right, Scott. Well, all right. Yeah, man. I'll cool. talk to you. Uh, talk to you around. All right, all right buddies. Thanks again to Mr. Scott Lucas for hanging out and chatting with me. Scott, I know you were dead tired from a 12-hour drive, but uh, thank you for hanging out and talking with me. And, damn, what an awesome show. I'm sorry that it took me so long to finally see you guys, but it was well worth the wait. I only wish I had done it 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, But, oh, well, no time like the present. Right, buddies? Uh, Jill, Jill, thank you for uh, helping set this up and make it happen. And uh, thanks to you guys for tuning in and listening. I couldn't do this without you. Oh, and a special thanks to Death Wish Coffee for keeping me uh, very, very overly caffeinated and uh, uh, ridiculous as always. Um, Again, we're going to be hosting some events at the Denver Comic Con June 13th through 16th. Um, Hopefully I'll be sitting down with some big-name celebrities. I haven't gotten any word yet, but uh, keep your fingers crossed. I'm I'm really hoping that we get to do some very... uh, very awesome things there and not to mention i will be hosting the nerd rock con at the hard rock cafe on uh friday june 13th that's gonna be pretty cool i don't know how or why they chose me over one of the many thousands of people that are probably more qualified for this event but hey i'm flattered and honored and uh, needless to say mostly harmless is gonna be doing some big things in the next next year uh we got some announcements coming up we got some new t-shirts hitting the uh, web store as well please visit mostly harmless podcast.com uh like us on facebook subscribe on itunes uh leave us a little itunes loving uh, but yeah, check check back. We'll have some big announcements hopefully coming uh, shortly after Denver Comic Con. Um, hopefully we will be back in the saddle again after this week with a new episode once a month. Or I'm sorry, once a week. Uh, and then I've got something planned that's going to happen once a month. That uh, Maybe that's a little tip for you there. But it's... All right, guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end this episode not with one Local 8 song, but two Local 8 songs. Um, because this episode's short, so short, I feel like... Uh, why not treat you guys to a little uh, little something special, a little something extra? Uh, so Local H recorded a cover just recently. It's making the rounds. It's a pretty damn great cover. It was even better live than this is. But uh, they covered the Lord song, Team. 
So we're going to open this episode up with the cover of Team, and then we're going to end things with the song that's really started it all for me and most Local H listeners. We're going to end it off with uh, Bound for the Floor from Local H's first album and uh, one of my favorite uh, 90s alternative rock records of all time, As Good as Dead. Um, So all right, buddies. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll see you in the funny pages.
evidence.